Good morning, my name is Boris Klarch. And I'm Kimberly Tiso. And, and you're, you're parked, parked in, in the, the access, access aisle. On the access aisle, we've talked a lot about the rights and protections of people with disabilities under the Americans with Disabilities Act, but there are still discriminatory state laws that confuse efforts to end different treatment based on a person's disability status. Here in South Carolina, as recently as two years ago, parents with disabilities could have their children removed and parental rights terminated just because they had a disability. The good news is disability rights activists stood up and worked alongside legislative partners to bring about the Persons with Disabilities Right to Parent Act. And with me today is one of its architects, Kimberly Tiso. Thanks for being with me here today. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of folks who have disabilities, um, men, women, um, everybody, uh, you know, there's always a desire to be a parent. Um, sometimes that uh, course to become a parent can be um, difficult. It could be difficult in a variety of ways. It could be because somebody's disability is directly impacting somebody's ability to actually naturally carry a child. Mm -hmm. um, it's also, uh, you know, moving forward with going to the next steps of, of adoption. Um, and then also sometimes when parents with disabilities do have their children, uh, there are difficulties with what the outside folks, the community thinks that they're capable of doing, and sometimes their their rights are violated. Absolutely. So, what brought you into into that realm of advocacy that you really wanted to to help parents with disabilities? Mm -hmm. Well, I have a physical disability, and I've had one since I was two. Um, I had cancer, and uh, some of the side effects um, completely kind of wiped out my ability to naturally have a child. Um, but uh, so I always wanted to be a mom. I knew uh, whatever it was, I was going to be a mom. So um, I, uh, you know, we did a number of things once I got married and um, we did a number of things with going to fertility clinics, um, tried surrogacy, got an egg donation, um, a number of things and all of that uh, failed. Um, and when we went to um, go adopt. We decided to adopt from our state because we did know that there are a lot of children um, in our state that need forever homes. Absolutely. And we could be one of those forever homes. And so we felt like we were ready to be a parent. And when we went to um, our state's uh, child welfare system, uh, the first the first session of learning about uh, adopting, um, we were told that uh, people with physical disabilities like myself uh, are not allowed to adopt. Um, of course, I always laugh and tell people, well, they did not know who they were messing with. <laughs> uh, you never know who's a, a, a disability rights advocate uh, out there. And, um, and so I you know, did a little bit of investigating within the system and learned that this was not a policy of theirs, that this was just a staff member's perception of who can and can't adopt a child from the state's child welfare system. So we did do some pushing back. Luckily, we do have federal legislation um, that protects the rights of people with disabilities. Uh, so we were able to, um, to, to pursue the adoption process. We were very lucky and we, we did end up with a very uh, young young baby um, and uh, he's nine years old today and, and, and is, is adopted. Um, uh, 
but it should have never it should have never been a fight, um, mm-hmm. especially when there's so many kids that are waiting to have families. Um, but the perception of what I can and can't do because of my disability got in the way, and I. And I heard stories, um, and especially in my role as the executive director here, we heard that children were being removed um, from from very great parents. And sometimes at birth. At, at birth, because of what they, what doctors and nurses thought um, a person is, is not capable of doing. And, and so we just kept hearing horror stories, and we did some digging into our own, um, our own state law and learned that we actually had... Uh, a law in South Carolina that said that people with disabilities could have their child removed um, and their rights can be terminated simply on the basis of who they are. So obviously that was uh, a huge rights issue, um, but also violated the Rehabilitation Act of 1973, which states that any state agency, federal agencies receiving federal funds must accommodate people with disabilities and provide equal services, which includes adoption and foster care. And it also violated the Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, so we uh, decided to, to move forward with writing a law uh, that would remove um, any type of discrimination for the, the rights of parents with disabilities and prospective parents. So anybody who's wishing to become a parent, um, we wanted to make sure that their rights were protected. And, and our first um, bill actually died in the Senate uh, just because of some politics. Uh, they were trying to tack on uh, bills that did not really relate to the, the legislation that we wrote. But that the first bill was very um, complex because it did include um, reproductive health, uh, so any type of protection for individuals needing assisted reproductive um, treatment, uh, so like your IVF and, and surrogacy and, um, and all of that. Um, so that first bill failed and we decided to do a, a more simple bill that would just protect the rights of anybody who might go into the court system, either through Department of Social Services or divorce situations, a family court, um, that would make sure that no one is losing their child because they have a disability. And it also, um, and we wanted to make sure also that the Department of Social Services was adequately um, providing services to parents with disabilities so that they can keep their child. So if there's an example that Department of Social Services was to become involved in a family's life um, and, and the, the mother or father had a disability, the Department of Social Services has to show reasonable effort that they provided reasonable services with accommodations to be able to reunite that family. And that's and that's based on the specific individual's needs and, and the kind of supports that they would need for their specific family and, and child and what they would want. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So and, and it has to be individualized, which is also in, in the law, that it's not just a one-size-fits-all cookie-cutter approach um, to being, being able to teach um, parents with disabilities how to parent. And, and we have to remind folks, and it's, it's, it's really a sad situation in what we're in 2019, approaching 2020, um, 
We have to remind folks that people with disabilities are no different. They may just do things a little bit differently, but it does not take away their right to be a, a great parent. Um, and sometimes those supports look a little bit differently. But everybody, people with and without disabilities, they all parent differently. No and two families look the same. Not at all. Not at all. And so we do have to keep reminding folks that. Um, so just because a a mother with a physical disability cannot physically carry a child around in the grocery store does not mean that they can't uh, wear a harness or, or they um, or a carrier not a harness um, uh, or it does not mean that they you know cannot push their child in a stroller and that's how I was able to carry my little one around when he was a baby is I pushed him in a stroller using my crutches what we've seen uh, a lot of times uh, when we're looking at other court cases, there is a pending court case out in, in Kentucky where a child was removed uh, at birth from a parent based on not only the presence of a developmental disability, but they, they factor in that parent's IQ score. How often does IQ come into play? It comes into play all of the time. Um, IQ scores really mean nothing. Um, it it allows you to get services. It allows you to be eligible for services, but it should never be used against you in anything that you do. Um, and research also shows that if a parent has um, quote unquote a low IQ score, um, that the evaluation process should be different um, to evaluate their ability to parent. So it should be more in-home assessments, watching the parent actually parent the young child um, or the teenager um, and uh, and so we are seeing a lot of discrimination on the basis of somebody's of somebody's intellectual disability um, and and we've got to continue proving you cannot just hire a psychologist to do a standard evaluate a parenting evaluation because they are a lot of times there are biased uh, there you know they do think that the parents, because of their IQ score, they cannot see past their ability to learn new things, to be able to parent, to, to nurture that child. And so we're having to do a lot of education with the way that our Department of Social Services is hiring these evaluators. Um, unfortunately, there are only two uh, qualified evaluators in the country, um, and they're uh, not in this state. And so um, it does require a little bit of a additional funding, but uh, being able to pay uh, an outside evaluator to come in to clearly assess a parent's ability is, is priceless. Um, it's, a, it's a justified expense to help keep communities intact. Right, and, and it's something that the Department of Social Services should be doing because they do need to also prove that they have you know provided so much services to make sure that this parent is is reunited with their child and so getting an outside person to come in who is qualified um, is 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 critical but IQ scores does not tell you does not set the tone to how you will be able to be a parent um, and, and even looking at the diagnosis of disability itself, do you think that two people with the same type of disability are living in the same way? There is never that situation. So there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, stigma out there that people with autism are all the same. No, absolutely not. People with my disability, which is I have one leg, 
um, we all do something differently. We know it. I, you know, I walk on crutches probably a lot differently than anybody else with one leg. Um, I do not use a prosthetic. And so, you know, everybody does something differently. So it should never be a cookie cutter approach. There should never be a folder for, oh, parents with intellectual disabilities. Let me pull this brochure out to learn about what they can and can't do. It's very individualized. Uh, so we've talked a little bit about the things that the law does and, and the kind of drafts that you had to, to go through and changes. What are some things that the law does not help with? So at the moment, it does not help with the assisted reproductive health piece. So if a woman is needing services, um, reproductive health services like egg donation or surrogacy, that, um, that they have rights within those clinics. Um, so that is one thing that, that we are missing, and that would probably be a second piece to, to this legislation eventually. Okay. So if, if I am a, a parent, a current parent or prospective parent uh, with a disability, and I want to kind of explore my options, how would I get started? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, contact your local center for independent living. Contact us. We can, you know, we can talk through all those options and, and look at look at everything that is possible if you have a goal to become a parent we will help you achieve it um, one way or the other and it, and it could be fostering to adopt it could be looking internationally it could be a number of things um, but it could also be carrying your own child a lot of folks with disabilities also do not know that they could have a child biologically um, and so we are we are here to be that support as well okay and and Conversely, if, if I'm a parent of a child uh, and I have a disability and I feel like my rights haven't been respected and I haven't received the supports that, that I'm entitled to, what steps would I take to make sure that those rights are respected? Absolutely. And I would tell folks to co contact us, contact our organization, and we can look at um, seeing if their rights are being violated, seeing if services are being provided effectively. Um, and if and if, if not, we can always file a complaint with the Department of Justice, um, you know, if, if somebody's rights are truly being violated. Absolutely. So we see, um, I think it's pretty clear, all the good that can be done for communities at large with, with legislation like this. How common are these type of, is this type of law nationwide? It is not. So we were, we were the um, 13th state to get legislation that specifically protects the rights of parents with disabilities. And so we still, um, there has been more uh, since. I think uh, we had three bills in the nation that passed last year. Um, so there, we're, folks are catching on really quickly. So it is a little bit of a movement right now to, to look at the rights of, of parents with disabilities. And, and what kind of advice would you give to parents in states that don't have this legislation? I would make sure that they make make this known, um, make the issue known to uh, the protection and advocacy systems, to Centers for Independent Living, and kind of be that change agent, making sure that um, the state is reacting and, and getting legislators involved. Because when I, I know that when we wrote the the bill, a lot of, a lot of legislators were appalled um, that the, that South Carolina had legislation that said a, a child could be removed on the basis of disability. Um, so making sure you share that story, pointing out that the, the law is, is bad and it is uh, discriminating. And, and I think a lot of folks will listen to you on that. If there's, a, if there's never abuse or neglect, there should be no reason why the Department of Social Services is even involved. Um, but, but 
and that's still that's still happening today though even though we do have legislation we we still have to keep making sure that uh, folks are following it absolutely the the next step after passing legislation is always making sure that enforcement is consistent and i'm sure anybody that's been following the ada mm-hmm. is yep. well aware of that <laughs> it's an ongoing process so i do know that our state does have a um our state's child welfare system does have policies and procedures in place when working with parents with disabilities, but it's an ongoing training um, need for them as well. So making sure that we are changing perspectives um, within the Department of Social Service too, to, because a lot of folks, just like how I was discriminated within the agency, uh, it's, it's perception. Yeah. It's, it's somebody's idea of what they think that you can and can't do. And what are some things that that the average South Carolinian can do to help kind of change that perception that professionals have towards people with disabilities? I mean, really educating. Just keep educating and and have families. Let's show let's show everybody that we can be parents and we can be successful parents. And and I love you know I love hearing stories where daycare centers are are changing their rules because they're realizing, you know, we do have parents with disabilities, so I think we need a ramp out front of our building. And so learning how to comply with the ADA because they're seeing more parents with disabilities. Um, but and, and also the, the neat thing about our, our legislation is that it is cross-disability. It's not just one, one disability. Um, there, there is um, some, some legislation throughout the country that is happening where it's only protecting the rights of blind parents. And we want to make sure that it is cross-disability because it, research shows that people with any type of disability can be a great parent. Um, and uh, we've got to make sure that we're protecting their rights. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I think this has been uh, very enriching. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Boris. Not a problem. And for those of you listening at home, thank you so much. You can subscribe to our podcast. It's available on anywhere that podcasts are, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So go find us, subscribe, and stay up to date on advocacy for people with disabilities and Able South Carolina.